0: This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who've already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. My guest today, Yanni, has well over 10,000 hours of consulting, training, and coaching to churches, individuals, and businesses. He's been successfully assisting organizations and coaching their leaders for over 20 years. Yanni's coaching style, much like his leadership style, is very relational. It leans heavily on his faith and extensive experience. He has led or co led five different organizations, which include two churches, an evangelistic ministry, and two businesses. His leadership roles have spanned from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 200 and include the titles of president, senior pastor, director of operations state training coordinator, performance coach, senior associate pastor, and many more. Yanni's traveled across the country as a preacher, keynote speaker for over a decade. Yanni's married with one child and lives in Boise, Idaho. He spends most of his free time with his family and as much time outdoors as he can.
1: Good. I'm going to have you
0: say your name, Yanni, just so I get it written down.
1: (laughs) You just said it. No, it it is pronounced Yanni Gratzinopoulos. Uh, which, when you have more vowels than consonants, uh, is, is not a good thing. But yeah, it's it's yawny.
0: All right, perfect. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you being willing to jump on the show and share with
1: us today. <laughs> thanks for thanks thanks for having me. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I had a boss years and years ago. Almost didn't get the job because my resume sat on his desk for three weeks. He's like, God, "Do I call this guy? I don't know how to say this guy's name. I don't know what the and so finally he called up, he goes, yeah, is uh, Zionis there? And I was like, he goes, I'm sorry, I, I don't know your name. And I said, look, when you have a name like mine, thats I've been called far worse. Uh, I assume it's Greek. Yeah, it's extremely Greek. All the way through.
0: <laughs> well, as long as you're proud of your Greek heritage, I guess you could live with
1: it. <laughs> I am, I am.
0: All right. Well, dude, I appreciate you jumping on. So, hey, share, share a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's interesting. I started uh, really in college years ago, 20-something years ago. Um, I was running little teams uh, all throughout college. And I was about to launch. I was graduating, graduate. I was about to launch into my own thing. And a mentor of mine said, ah, ho- hold on, hold on, hold on. Why don't you come under someone else's vision for a bit and kind of learn some things? And I got to tell you, my first instinct was, no, no, no I don't want to do that. Um, but I knew he was right. And so I did. I, I got kind of a mid-level leadership role. I was, it was really good. Um, I learned a lot of what to do. I probably learned more of what not to do. Um, and then really launched out on my own um, back in 2003. Um, and it was, it was great. Uh, but you know, <laughs> moments happen and we, I, I mean, I had my own, uh, corporation and I, I was doing a lot of work in both for-profit and nonprofit and my board came to me, a lot of traveling. I mean, sometimes four or five weeks at a time. And my board came to me and said, Hey, you got to get off the road. You you you're you have a family now. Like you've got to get off the road. So, I took a job that was more settled down uh, in Salem, Oregon, and um, loved that. And then that job kind of dematerialized, <laughs> and I, I I didn't have enough time to scramble within uh, the industries that I'd been in. And I had a buddy call me and said, hey. Come sell for me. And I had never been in active sales before. Mm. I was like, all right. So not not like that, not full-time vocational. So I started um, selling for a Fortune 200 company. And his boss calls me into her office about three months in and goes, yeah, you're, you know you're not doing very well, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, please help me though, please. And um, she goes, you know, you've been doing all these things your way. Why don't you try it our way? Just follow our system start to finish. And so I was like, all right, uh, within four months, I was a the top new account opener. And then within a year and a half, I've been promoted and then promoted again to second in command of the state. And that, what's interesting about that is when I was on the road, one of the things that I had gotten involved in is leadership coaching. Um, for profit, nonprofit. When I got off the road, I really, I mean, I still did it because it's in my soul, but that wasn't the focus of what I was doing. And now here I, I found myself as a, a corporate trainer for a Fortune 200 company, and I was doing coaching and leadership coaching again. And that started a journey that has wound up here today, where that's really a focus. Uh, of what we do at our company.
0: Nice. So how valuable was the experience of of being able to do sales
1: for a, a Fortune 200 company? <laughs> you know, extremely valuable um, because of the fact that, in fact, I'll say it this way. You know, I've worked for a few companies since then um, before getting back out on my own and launching my own gig and thriving that entrepreneurship. And at one point, uh, in fact, the last W-2 I had, we were actually helping business owners who got to that point where they could sell their deal, but they couldn't help anybody else sell their deal. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm the best evangelist. Great. Who else can sell your product? No one. All right. Well, do you know how to teach people to do that? Not a clue. I just know how I do it. And so there was the sticking point, point. Um, and the reason why I say that is sales was so. For every business, there's someone's doing sales. Absolutely. And the successful businesses, someone's doing sales well. I I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if I couldn't sell, and I look back to my old life, before that sales role, and I look back to this life after a couple of the sales roles and it's a whole, it's a whole different mind shift because now I, you, I got to admit there were a few, <laughs> there were a few, uh, few weeks and months where I was like, oh, <laughs> let the customers come. I've built, it was like the field of dreams, right? I built it. Where are they? Where are they? And, and now, you know, candidly with a lot of people that I coach, okay, you have a great product. Yeah. You know who you're going to. Yeah. How do you get there? I don't know. Great, I'm going to help you. (laughs) Nice. So, what what is the key?
0: What 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 is the key to 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 making sales doable and transferable?
1: So, those are two different questions, right? And I don't want your audience to think all we do in coaching is sales, but it's an important piece, and. I'm going to answer this question from a high level of, I mean, this is really the answer in a lot of things, right? How do you do versus how you transfer most of the time, even in the smallest organizations, the, the business owner, the, the head, the principal, they know how to do. If they didn't know how to do, they wouldn't have a business, right? So they know how to do the, the, what they have to ask themselves is, is what I do transferable? That's the first thing you have to ask that question. Because for a lot of business owners, in fact, I, I, I was working with one business owner that he just flat out told me when I started pressing in, he said, well, I built my last company on the fact that I had massive amounts of contacts within the Fortune 500. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Okay but you're not building this company that way. No, it it doesn't work exactly the same. Okay, what's your plan B? I don't have one. Great, (laughs) let's start there, right? So just understanding, is this even transferable? And then, then it comes down to just process management, right? Candidly, finding somebody who knows how to sell, but also knows how to build sales. That's a big difference right? There's a big difference between knowing how to sell and then how to build a replicatable system. Um, but it goes the same with operations. It goes the same with leadership and leadership management. Do you know how to lead? Yes. Do you know how to transfer your leadership? Okay, maybe, right, maybe not. And and some of that is really instinctual. People sell via instinct or they lead via instinct or, or these natural God-given talents that they have. And you could, well, How'd you close that deal? I don't know. I just, (laughs) I just, which is great, but the right person and coach can come along and help you draw out some of those modalities to build a program that can make it transferable.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. So when you,
0: when you started your company, um, how valuable was networking and building
1: connections? You know, it's it's interesting that you ask that because even today I was doing a little bit of both. Right. So when you're a, an entrepreneur in a smaller business, you wear every hat. Oh, who's the head of your operations? Oh, who's the head of sales? Oh, who's the head of. Right. It's it, you wear all the hats. And so I, I I'm the I'm the coach. Um of for our clients. But right now, I'm, I'm also the head of sales and I'm the head of operations. And so when people start to get into sales, they get locked a lot of times or operations. They get locked with what they're comfortable with. Hey, you know what? I know a lot of these people. I'm going to reach out to this warm market. Yanni, isn't that good sales? Yeah, it absolutely is but not if that's all you're doing, right? So even, I mean, I've got a, I've got a pretty good warm market, um, but even today, I was just smiling and dialing, as we call it in the sales world. Why? Because it's really important in whatever you're doing, but especially in that initial outreach, to diversify that, right? So usually what we say is you use the warm network, to get stood up quick. But if, if you just weigh in on that only, most people do not have a big enough warm network to support a full business, even in the aspects of referrals. You've, so many times you've got to run both. Um, and that's where most, that's where most entrepreneurs really start to get stuck. And that's where we really focus is, okay, you're an entrepreneur, are you stuck, where are you stuck? That's one of the main places is they get tunnel vision, especially in sales. Oh, yep, I'm gonna network here. And it's like, that's good. Now let's talk about all the other modalities that you've you've got to start. Oh, well, I'm doing selling. Are you doing any marketing? No, no, I'm just focusing on selling. Great. Let's pull you back out. Well, I can't do all of it. Then let's figure out a game plan for that. Cause you've got, you've got to hit all those modalities most of the time.
0: Well, certainly you've got to know what your pipeline is, right? Like you've got to know who is your your cold network, right? That's the top of a funnel. And then and then how, how do you narrow those people down? How do you capture them so that when they drip out of the end of that funnel, you know, you've made a sale.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh,
0: and, and knowing that system for yourself, you know, whether that's, you know, I got a cold call this list of people or I've got to, you know, create a list and, and figure out what is the way that I'm adding people to that
1: list so that so that they're becoming a part of my audience? Well, and even with that, that take that last phrase for a second. In a, in a larger organization, uh, as, when we're doing this, t- basically client acquisition coaching, the first thing we do is we get marketing and sales together. Now, after they're done fighting, because we've put them in a room together, we call them everybody. No, I'm just kidding. But but there's an important piece because marketing's going to say this is who our ideal client is, this is who we're marketing to, and sales is going to say, okay, this is who I'm trying to sell to, and you've got to make sure that that's the same person. Some call. So. It, yeah, you'd be surprised how much it's not, though. <laughs> I mean, you would be surprised, and especially for solopreneurs and smaller businesses. They're so excited about their product, they're telling everybody about their product, which isn't bad, but they start to get to the point where it's like, wait, who is your target audience, right? Who is that target audience? Where are they? How do you find them? Um, let's get strategic about your client acquisition. So let's
0: let's talk a little bit about niching down and making sure that you have the smallest ideal
1: client. Um, so one of the struggle points, the sticking points that people have is when they start to niche down, all they can see are the people that they are saying no to, right? They want to cast this wide net and be like, you're all my clients, the whole world. And, and it's interesting because when you do that, when you go for everyone, you almost always get no one. It's a really important axiom um famous story about uh, the guy who launched McDonald's. Um, I'm not sure how true it is, although I believe it is. so I'm gonna tell he was speaking at Harvard Business School and he uh, Mr. Mr. Crock and he asked the class, okay, what's my what's my business? Everybody laughed he goes, no, I'm serious, what's my business And one poor kid in the front goes and and said it kind of sarcastically, I don't know, hamburgers and everybody laughed and he said, no, and then the class got real quiet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, those of us that have studied him—it's it, real estate, right? And not just making money off real estate, but if you look at any McDonald's, it—they don't place McDonald's in the back country. I mean, if they could put a McDonald's in the middle of the highway, they would. It's high traffic, right? That why? Because they are convenient, and the people who are rushing back and forth who need to stop their get grab a quick bite to eat that's their ideal client right it's so important to know that because it now it directs every decision that they make about where to put a mcdonalds and this is important because unless you have unlimited funding you have to niche down to to the people who are not just going to want your product but evangelize your product or service, love your product or service. And so you have to really start to think through, okay, who is this? And then where are they? Um, And get real targeted uh, about finding out who those people are, right? So here's an example. If, If you have a SaaS product that's business to business, the first thing that a, uh, somebody will say is, oh, I got to call the director of IT. Got to call the director of IT. Yep, I VP of IT, that's the guy, VP. Of, and 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 I'm gonna give everybody kind of a freebie here. <laughs> this is how you niche down. I'm gonna tell you how not to do it, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. How not to do it is say, I have a technology product, I'm gonna go to the head of technology. That's how most people do it, right? Oh." Technology product, head of technology. I have a food, food product, I'm going to go to head of culinary. I have an a, a employee product, I'm going to go to the head of HR. Don't do that. That's not niche. Here's what you have to ask yourself. Here's my product or service. What are the top three problems that it solves? That's where it starts. What are my top three problems that that this product or service solves? By the way, if you can't answer that question, Stop everything else, and and reevaluate what you're doing. Hmm. But once you've answered those questions, then you need to ask yourself, who in the marketplace is suffering from a lack of this answer? Right. So let's say we'll go back to McDonald's. Right. McDonald's says, okay, what problem does my burger solve? Um, health food? No. <laughs> right. Uh, throwing people in the hospital possibly, but that, that's not a, it's not an arsenic replacement. Right. And so we came back to this idea of quick. Okay. Right now, nothing feels quick in the food industry. And I get that, but, but for 50 years, 60 years, whatever, it was quick. And so they sat back and said, the problem that we're solving is people who need food quick. Where are those people? And then they went to find those people, right? And and where are those people shopping? Where are those people living? Where are those people watching TV? So what is, what is we'll go back to the SaaS product. What does it do? Well, it helps uh, businesses monitor their phone calls. Great. The VP of IT does not care about that on their daily. Who cares about that every single day? Oh, well, there's a head of telecom, yes. That person is bleeding every day, getting pounded. How come we can't monitor our phone calls? That's the person to call. That's your target audience. Yeah. Sorry, I get fired up about this. Sorry, I don't mean to.
0: Oh no, you're good. This is great. I think uh, you know. Obviously, McDonald's is in the real estate business, and and they pick their location based on their niche, right? They recognize this is the niche you want to serve. This is where they are. This is where we need to be. The other thing, obviously, McDonald's does very, very well is process, right? Because no matter where you go to a McDonald's, and this includes worldwide, the fries taste exactly the same because they've perfected the process. And they make sure that wherever they're importing the food, whatever food they're using, local sourced, if they can, is going to match their product expectations. And when you order a Big Mac and fries – In the United States, in Australia, in the UK, and even now in Russia, they taste exactly the same. And so there's an expectation now that no matter where I travel or what I'm doing, not only is it convenient, I know exactly what it's going to taste like. And it's going to meet that expectation. And I think companies lose sight of of being who they are and, and creating their processes to, to, to put themselves out there, even as a solopreneur, as as a as an entrepreneur. Um, I think on the nonprofit side, you really hit the nail on the head because so many nonprofits don't understand that they're selling a product. What does that product solve? Mm-hmm. They get caught up in the mission and all of these other things, and they forget that they're, They're still solving a problem. What is the problem they're solving? Who has that problem and needs it solved? And focus on promoting their nonprofit based on the problem that they solve.
1: You you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting that you say that because when you look – and let's go down – you're 100% correct. And when you look at nonprofits, let's take the – you know, it's called different things now in different parts of the country. So I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but just because I know you have a wide audience, let's talk about those that, uh, those shelters that help the homeless or I know there's a lot of terms for homeless, but we'll stick with that for a moment. Um, they they make it very clear. This is who we're helping, right? And and the, the a lot of times um, in the stuff that they send out, you'll see one of their patrons who is there eating a meal that they're asking you to donate or, Hey, we need more beds. And why is that important? You didn't wake up one day and think, Oh, you know, I, I I'm really interested in this nonprofit. What you thought was, you know what people without homes, that's a problem. How do I get involved solving that? And then you look for organizations that are already there. And so those folks have it dialed in and you're exactly right. Everything about business, everything about the nonprofit world is built around what's the problem we solve. McDonald's has a fantastic process. And in fact, that's what Ray Kroc brought to the McDonald family is, wait, if we made this a fantastic process, and so that's the other thing, whether for-profit or nonprofit around that that solopreneur, that entrepreneur take a step back and say, okay, I solved the problem. Then here's the other question. How many problems do I create solving (laughs) that one? Right? Because that's really at the heart of what you're talking about. Hey, I'm here to solve your problem. You can solve my problem. Absolutely. And then three months down the line, they're like, I want my problem back. Your problems are far worse. Can I have my one problem back? That's awesome. And so I, we see this even in the nonprofit world. We see this all the, oh, oh, you're drilling wells in Kenya. That is amazing. Yep. I. How can I help drill wells in Kenya? How, oh, here, here's some money. And then what happens is you read the fine print that 5% of your donation goes to wells in Kenya. Ouch right? Why? Well, because it's so expensive stateside and we have all this stuff. It's like, well, then no, I don't, I don't want to, you've just created more problem for me. Now I have to go out and find 20 more just to give the amount of money. I want to give water to kids in Kenya. How do I do that? Right? So whatever that is, once you've, yep, here's my product, here's my service to solve the problem. Uh, let's go to uh, housekeeping or even trades, right? I have a problem my driveway is cracked and unsettling. It's getting potholes. I I need a new driveway, right? Oh, guess what? Guess who solves that problem? This guy who's a concrete contractor. Awesome. Can you please replace my driveway? I can totally do that. And then when I come home, not only did he replace my driveway, but he covered over half my yard and put in a uh, 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 an RV pad that I didn't want than my HOA. And you might think, well, who's going to do that? I've heard crazier things. I've sure. heard I've heard architects who pl- spec out windows in basements. Like, not the windows up here, full windows looking at dirt. Right? So you, sometimes your solution can create three more problems. And so here's my tip on that. Take a step back from your solution for A couple days, like literally, especially as we're coming up to the holidays, take your uh, and I know I'm not supposed to timestamp these, so I apologize, but take a break and then come back to work as a customer. Literally go on your own website, pop in as a customer, maybe have one of your employees walk you through or or, or come up with a, a, a fake, not fake website, but have an email address at hey, my company at gmail.com and, and and go through the customer process and find out how good you like it or sit shotgun with a friend of yours who goes through the process, right? Your friend comes, you talked about networking. Your friend comes to you and says, hey, I, I need your product or service. Oh, great. Instead of turning them over to the sales team or getting them signed up, say, you know what? We just launched this new thing through our website. I want to sit with you as you go through it, Right the more you can be a customer of your own process and product, the more you're going to go, Oh my gosh, we solved one to create three problems. I got to fix that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the other place, I think the challenge for nonprofits is they, they have a customer that they serve, right? Problem that they're solving, but then they also have supporters who pay for it. Mm -hmm. And so they can get lost in, in, How do we, how do we keep the supporters happy and do the things that make the supporters happy, as well as still continue to provide the service for these these folks that are the problem that we solve, Um, and and it's easy to get lost, right? We end up building walls around the supporters, because they're the ones giving the money. Oh yeah. And and then we let the supporters dictate how we're going to provide the service. Um, It 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 can get really really confusing.
1: Pretty quickly. (laughs) It can. It really can. And you know, let's let's talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind, because in the nonprofit world, you're exactly right. Right. For profit, your your customer is also the one who pays you, right? So I'm paying for the service. But in the for-profit world, that singular person splits, like you said or excuse me, in the nonprofit world. And that's really important because one of the keys of a nonprofit is to actually be a bridge, to bring those two entities together. What do I mean by that? Let's go back to that analogy of uh, a homeless shelter. Nobody wakes up one day and says, oh, you know what? I want to be a part of um, Revive Austin. Nobody even knows, by the way, I don't know if there's a Revive Austin, but (laughs) no one even knows that, that, this organization exists they're driving down the road and they see uh homeless encampment after homeless encampment and they get a burden in their heart and say i've got to do something and so they go online they say okay who else is doing something that's an important place right that's why whether you're for-profit or non-profit you have to evangelize what it is that you're about simon sinek calls it start with why um And so you have to know what you're about. You have to evangelize what you're about. And then you bring other people along who say, yeah, I want to get involved in that. Now, you're doing it full time. They probably can't, (laughs) right? So how can they get involved? Oh, you can give or you can serve every once in a while or you can do this. Great. But what everybody has to understand is you are connecting two entities that would never connect without you. That's what you are as a nonprofit. You are a bridge. Here are homeless people who have no place to go, no food to eat. And, and here are people who have extra money or canned goods or resources. And the point of the nonprofit is to bring them together. Even religious nonprofits, you're bringing two entities together, whatever it is. And when you stop being a bridge, and this is the most important thing. Most of the time you're doing it because you stop focusing on these two entities and you focus on you.
0: <laughs>
1: and the moment you start focusing on your nonprofit, both of these entities will start to decline. <laughs> every time, every time. And they'll, they'll teeter totter down. So if you're running a nonprofit, here's the people with the resources, here's the people who need the resources. Your job is to bridge them together in a way that they go, I want to give more. Yeah, I want to be a part of this more. And so, again, just that tip. And and some people may say, Yanni, it's, it's just, oh, well, stop looking inwardly. Really? that's the, Most solutions to big problems are actually relatively simple. <laughs> if you stop
0: and look for it. If you, that's exactly right. Which is why why you need a coach, because everybody talks about, you know, you got to get outside the box, right? You, you don't want to be inside the box. But if you're stuck inside the box, the instructions for getting out of it are on the outside. <laughs> that's, that's great. Why, that's why you need a coach or mentor to be able to read the instructions to get your dopey butt out of the box. <laughs> it's true. So. What helped you in building your own audience in, in creating a, a following, a network for, for your business?
1: So the first thing I had to do, uh, Hey, I had to start with why, why am I doing this and why should anybody care? <laughs> and then from there I had to start telling people about my passion. That's a really important piece. Now, There's a thousand ways to do this. And there are, I mean, oh, we build a website. Yep, blog. Yep, networking. Yep, Uh, cold calling, phone calls. Yep, blah, 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 blah. I can go through. But what is it that you were doing and why are you doing it? And why should anybody else care? And once you answer those questions, my recommendation is find the place that you do you well. So some people are exquisite. My wife is a wonderful writer. If my wife was going to start her own uh, business or organization, I, I, yep. Put up a website and write a bunch of content. I'm not the best writer actually for about a year at one of my jobs years ago, I was on writing probation. I had to submit my emails to a boss cause they're like, Yanni, you're writing so bad. Right? So but for me it's it's getting out and talking with people and 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 doing a lot of that networking and and being just verbal and one on one and and talking so understand what your why is and then take that message out and and evangelize that message. That's an important piece, right and some people say, well, but I haven't built this and this and this." Solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, especially those of you that come from an engineering mindset, and hear me on this, right? I ran operations for a long time. Those of you that are like me where the ducks are in a row and then we launch, I'm not saying that's bad. But when you're a solopreneur, there is an aspect of ready, fire, aim, (laughs) right? There is an aspect of, especially with, well, what do you do? What if someone says they're interested and you don't have everything built, be honest with them. That's great. That's great. We're about three weeks away. Or, right, if you're three to four months away, okay, keep building, right? But if you're a couple weeks away, get in front of it. People are excited, right? If they're interested now, they're going to be interested in two to three weeks. Get out in front of it. Get that excitement going and brewing. Again, why? Because you just solved a big problem. And... What defines a big problem? After three months, someone can't solve it on their own. Hmm. So guess what? If you just solve the problem with your whatever it is that's going to be ready to go in two to three weeks, they're going to be excited in two to three weeks because they've been dealing with that problem a lot longer.
0: But use them as beta testers, right? Say, hey, you know what? I'll give you guys 25% off and let's run with this and let's figure out how the solution needs to to be molded and and changed right it's it's always funny to hear people say well i'm making the plan and the business plan is a b c d e f g h i j and and i'm yeah. like you know what as soon as you do a you've just blown b through g out of the water and you're going to start all over because a is going to change everything when you take that first step
1: and if it doesn't you didn't do a right <laughs> probably
0: exactly yeah and it, it's it's great to have a plan it's great to have an idea of where you're going but until you try it, you don't know. And yeah. so it, it really is a, a science experiment. And, and if you can get customers that are paying for your science
1: experiment, why not? <laughs> <Right>? Now, <laughs> that's an interesting piece, right? Because you talked about networking. It Whether for-profit or non-profit, early adoption is all about networking. Hmm. Early adoption is all about networking. I was working with a client and we were uh, on the phone with, we had multiple meetings with a fortune 10 company, big, 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 big hundreds of thousands of employees. And the client asked, well, you know, how many people are on your platform? The number wasn't that big. And I saw it was a virtual meeting and I saw everybody's face of, Wah, 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 right. Like this, you you came to us too early. And I don't know that the business owner saw it I went back to the owner. I said, Hey, I appreciate your tactic going big. We've got to pull this back. Let's let's not early adopt with with the biggest target market we can. And that's where networking comes in. That's where you start to reach out and say, Hey, even nonprofits, right? You're gonna start a nonprofit um to single moms no one knows who you are mm-hmm. right no one no one trusts you and so you have to be able to network and say hey look we're starting this we've been friends for years we I'll even do it for free but can you just jump into this right and maybe their payment to you is testimonials or they're now reference or you if nothing else for you to be able to say look we've gone through this with you know, 10 people are ready or 10 clients are ready, jump on, right? Because there's a whole mindset of, I don't want to be that, it's that bell curve. They don't want to be, that first 10% is very risky for a lot of people. That's where networking comes in, strong.
0: Sure, well, and if you've established network and, and you've created some, right? You, we got to think about that know, like, and trust process and and recognize that, all right, you know, this network knows me, they trust me and they're willing to, you know, so no like, and trust. But when you're building a new network right beyond that, you've got to use that capital, right? So I need those, those early adopters to, to say, Hey, we trusted him and it worked yeah. and and you're, you're buying their, their trust, right? You're, you're being able to market on their trust and those testimonials and those statements create that, the move in the bell curve, right? So, you can get to that top where you need to be, where, where the good clients, (laughs) the good client numbers are flowing in. Right? Absolutely. But but We forget the process. We, right. We forget that no, like, and trust. We just, we want to, we want to advertise and market digitally and say, Ooh, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Instead of saying, Hey, get to know me. Hey, I'm a good guy. You can like me. Hey, you can, you can trust me enough to give me your money. And we forget that three-step process. Especially virtually, um, and and we we just oh I'm gonna run Facebook ads woo I'm gonna put ads on LinkedIn and YouTube and everybody's gonna buy buy buy, but no you got it you got it you got to get it we get it backwards all the time and so you got to put ads out there or put enough content out there that says this is where you can get to know me right check out my YouTube channel watch some of these videos yeah you know check out check out my conversations with these other clients um, and 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 people just i don't know the internet
1: just turns them weird <laughs> like what well, marketing no, it, does. Ah! it does no it, it totally does and it i know for me if i'm if i was going to buy a new computer and i'm going to buy the uh, the grass operating system oh it's brand new grass operating system i don't want to be the first one running that operating system i i don't want to be an early adopter of of a new pro some people do like let's do it can you find those people do you know those people great but you're exactly right and and i look at i, I look at uh, honda honda started as a car company you know they make generators now they make motorcycles they make generators They what do they make they make any just about anything with an engine why because every and, and simon sinek talks about this in the golden circle of power why but everybody trusts their engine. If you have a Honda engine, whatever that is, is going to go much longer. Oh, my motorcycle, it's a Honda. My generator, it's a Honda, right? My my lawnmower, it's a... In fact, there's other companies that are like, oh, hey, we're this lawnmower company. We have Honda engine. Why? Because you're buying the trust. So let me give a little tip to that. That's why early adopters leverage the trust but maybe you can't. Maybe you've created a product that's business to business. There is no early adoption. So there's a couple of things you can do. Some people will partner. Hey, I'll give you 20%. Here's what we do. I'll give you 20% of my company if, if you can help me with, with the early adoption market. It's a good play. Um, but especially for for-profits and nonprofits, and you touched on it, start giving things give it away. Right. What, well, what does that mean? Give it away. That means literally, and, and let's go to the nonprofit, right? We'll go back to this concept of, of, of the homeless shelter. Well, you know, just because you open and fund a shelter doesn't mean anybody who's experiencing in a housing challenge is going to come to your shelter. They don't know who you are. And frankly, I, I've served in a few. It's a little daunting if you don't know because they close the gate, they close the door, and they do it because they want you to be safe, it can kind of feel like, are you going to let me out in the morning, right? And so you don't start by bringing people into your shelter. You start by going to where they are and saying, hey, here's some food. If you want a place to stay, you can also come here. It's the same thing in business, right? You go to where these people are and solve their problem where they are. And then the trust will get built and they will come to you. This is a hard piece. Um, I, in fact, I just did this last Friday. I went and spoke uh, at, a, at a conference of, of leaders. Now, I love doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, if you look at my per hour time and you look at what I got paid for the event, drastic difference. Well, why did I do it? Because those were the... I, I gave I gave them the first hour of coaching for free. I walked them through the whole thing for free. Why would I do that? A I'm in this to help people. It's my passion. B these are all people I did not have connection with. I do now. There is trust there because I went to them.
0: Well, now they 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 feel like they know you, right? They got a little bit of experience with, all right, hey, I, I dig this guy, right? I, I see what he's doing. And, and I think maybe he can help us. Right. And, and so you, you, you create that that know, like and trust in that process. Um, and it's hard for entrepreneurs to want to give it away. Right. We, we've got this whole intellectual property and copyright and who I got to save it. And, oh, someone's going to steal it. And, you know, I'm putting out 50 Facebook memes and someone's going to take them. And it's like, you know what? Whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the truth is, the more you give away, the more it's going to come back. And if somebody's stealing your stuff, eventually they're going to figure out it's yours. Like somebody's going to know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm all for just give give the best stuff away and put it out there so people can have it and start using it. And if they're using it and they can figure out how to use it by themselves, whoa, go for it, get her done. If, if they need your help, they're going to find you and they're going to say, look, we love your stuff.
1: We need your help. <laughs> so well, so, you for- and you made an interesting point like copyright or intellectual property. I'm not, look, there's an old saying, don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not telling you to just stand on a corner and say free. Find your ideal people, go to where they are and say, hey, let me come in and solve this problem for free. Normally I charge people. Why would you do that? Because when you have 10 companies or 10 people that say, man, this person solved my problem, that's a powerful statement because the testimonial is what overcomes another kind of old quote, right? You want to overcome these issues? Look for the testimonies. Bring the testimonies and say, look, all these other people, they trusted me. And then you go back to those people and this is sales 101. Go back to those people and say, hey, was this great? Yeah. Okay, who do you know who could benefit from this? Right? You. This. In fact, that was most of my phone calls today. I called the, the leaders that were at the conference and I said, hey, who can benefit from this? Now, what's interesting is the leader will tell you if it's them or not. If it's not, if that thought never crossed their mind, they'll go, yeah, let me think about who this might be good for. However, if they were thinking about them, they will say, yeah, I can think of a few people. I gotta tell you though, it's kind of thinking about me. Great, let's talk about that, right? right? I wanna say one other thing for those of you solopreneurs that have never cold called and you're afraid about that. We started with sales. We can maybe come back to sales. What you just said is so important. We used to, I used to coach salespeople all the time. Your job on that first call is relationship and data, right? So you call, you invariably get the admin. Most mistakes, most new salespeople go, oh, hi, is Robert there? Oh, great, thank you. And then you leave a voicemail, click. Completely ineffectual. Hi, is Robert there? Oh, he's not available. Okay. Hey, are you his voicemail? Or does he have, oh, he does? Okay, hey, before you connect me, do you mind if I ask your name? Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca, thanks so much. Great to meet you. Yeah, if you could transfer me, that'd be great. Oh, before you go, one last thing. It, when's the best time to catch him? Right, what am I doing? I'm treating Rebecca like a human. I'm gathering data. You wanna know why? Because when I call back, Hello, blah, 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 industries. Rebecca, hey, how have you been? Oh, I'm sorry, who is it? Oh, it's it's Yanni. We talked two weeks ago. Um, I, I have literally gotten to the point with administrative assistants. I mean, they told me about their side jobs. They were telling me about their dream. I, I want to have a ranch down in New Mexico. I'm a, why is that important? Because they hold the keys to the kingdom. Gatekeeper. They, yes. And so on so many, even when I talk to that, that person that I'm trying to get through to, some of it, a lot of times you get hung up on. I, I don't need this blah, 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 click. What's interesting is they never remember hanging up on you. Out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. But it's so powerful to be able to call back and say, hey, Bob, when we talked two weeks ago, it didn't seem like now was a good time or that that, that was a good time then. Do you have a few moments now? All of the sudden, in their mind, they have no idea who you are, but you had a conversation with them. I'm telling you, it's for those of you solopreneurs that you're afraid of picking up the phone, start with relationship, end with relationship, get the data, write down good notes, and continue to build. Right? Think of it this way. You are you're 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 walking up to somebody who's mighty good looking. And you introduce yourself and say, "Hey, can we go grab a bite to eat?" And they shoot you down.
0: I thought you were going to say get married.
1: So, I- <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we get? I've known a few uh, who've done that, <laughs> right? But but what happens is if you stop, okay. But maybe you just start, and that's what I'm saying. Don't don't go for the throat. I'll walk up and say, "Hi, my name is Yanni. I just happen to notice you here. Do you come here often?" What just building relate? Yes, just build a relationship, and it goes back to what we were saying of of give, right? Let can, talk about how things that I can give you, and when you do that, it changes the because th- everybody else is going, hey, Robert, this is the other one says, do a buy my property, buy my, brother, buy my click. It's just not human.
0: Well, I mean, you can't match the benefits to their needs, right? You you're not even it's not even ethical, right? Because. <laughs> you don't even know that they really have the problem that you're assuming that they have. And so until you actually have a conversation to actually ask them, you know, hey, how are you dealing with this thing? And then they say, Oh, yeah, no, it sucks. Or they say, you know, we've got this system in place, we're doing this. Oh, great, you guys have got it handled. You know, if that ever breaks down for you, this is this is what I offer. And this is how it fixes those things. You know, I mean, and so yeah, I don't know why we forget about the relationship part, and and relationship building with gatekeepers is super powerful. <laughs> um, it, it, it like you said, taking good notes. We mentioned free. We mentioned giving stuff away. Um, how is contribution a part of your entrepreneurial journey? In in a, you know, not just giving stuff away for that sales journey, but but actually being able to to contribute and and make a difference.
1: You know, it, it's interesting. I actually started. And I alluded to this at the beginning. I never set out to do coaching, ever. Um, and people would come and say, "Hey, I, I heard you speak on this. Can I just ask a few questions?" And a few questions turned into a few more, and then can I call you back? And before I knew it, we're coaching. I didn't even know to call it that back then. <laughs> and even in my foray out of the for-profit and into sales, and I, I, I was, I was always coaching. I've been coaching on the side for years. And a lot of times not even asking anything for it, right? Just why? Because I know my passion, right? So we talked about, hey, how do you launch a new product? Start with your why. I'm going to say that you are your greatest product. Mm -hmm. So what is your why? And then whatever that is, give it. And, and you've heard me say, my family and I, we go down and we, we, we do. We serve at homeless shelters. My, my seven-year-old loves it, loves it. We, we go to um, a women and girls shelter here locally and scooping food and just talking with folks. Why? Because my passion is helping people to achieve more and be better in their life, right? So do I give money? Yeah, I do. But But what do I give to? those causes, right? Those are my, ca- I, I knew a friend of mine. I knew a friend of mine. That's a funny statement. I hope I did. Um, I, a friend of mine, uh, he is passionate about disaster relief. Passionate. Does he give to disaster relief? Absolutely. But sometimes he'll he'll pick up, he'll put his work on pause and he'll go down and, and help and, and lend for disaster relief, right? It's It's part of his passion and you see it come to play in his daily life. And you might say, well, I started a like I started a tech company or I have a SaaS company. We're doing marketing. How does that I worked with a client who big, big, big marketing for some notable companies. And I mean you look at their client roster and you're like Whew. passionate about getting the word out. And so what they decided to do was they took on nonprofits for free. Now, yes. they didn't tell anybody what I'm about to say, but any nonprofit that ever came to their door, they would never turn away. Wow. And you look at the quality of work that they've done, it's the same, if not better. Hmm. So, and then I would say the last thing is, it's interesting, there's there's, there's a principle that when you look, and we'll just go back to raw business, most businesses, give money away. A lot of times they'll say, oh, tax write-off, tax write-off, tax write-off. But most leaders, and a lot of them will tell you, I don't know why, but when I try to hold on to all the money, I lose most of it. Mm, Right? And, And I've heard this, but when I take a portion of the profits and we give it here, here, and here, we retain so much more and profits even grow.
0: Yeah, money's money's a spiritual thing, and it flows. And if you That's interrupt it. the flow and try to hoard it or try to uh, misuse it, it uh, it it has a way of getting cut off. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So, what do you love to do in your free time? Oh, uh, a bunch of things that I don't normally get to do. No, <laughs> um, I, I we love. My family and I love outdoors. I spend almost all my free time with my family. Um, so sometimes I do a lot of things that they wanna do, which is fine. Um, but anything where they're happy and having fun. I, I like, a, this is gonna sound kind of nerdy. I like a lot of board games. Um, we do game nights. Uh, I like stuff outside, golfing, fishing, um, you know, backpacking, that kind of thing. Do you do a lot of it? No, not really. <laughs> I miss it, um, but but really just, uh, and, and I love engaging with people. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I get to do a lot for work, what I love to do in my free time. So um, it that's part of the benefit of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and some people might be, asking, no, I'm horrible at golf. Horrible. <laughs> I was even on my collegiate team. In fact, I was so bad at golf. We were playing a match, and we were like twelve holes in, and my opponent literally goes, "Here, try this club. I think it'll help you." And then gave me the club. He's like, "You need it." I was like, "I've never been better. It's thirty years. I've never improved at all."
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you're you're still ahead of me, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Mine mine would be the putt putt course, and they're they're giving me their. <laughs> I can handle putt putt. I can't. <laughs> it's the I driving it's that even me up.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm only allowed to drive in cars. <laughs> hey, those golf carts can be dangerous. Oh. I, I should I should say do I I do like reading. Um, I don't like heights. All right. So so no,
0: so no skydiving or bungee jumping.
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> nice. No. So what? What's the big dream?
1: You know, my, my big dream right now is to be able to sit back and say, my company, my family, me as a person, we are optimized at helping the most people completely across the board that that honestly is my dream to be able to look back and say this is what we're doing we are helping the most people um, and and whether it's in the nonprofit or for-profit the religious world um, you know what do people need and how can we give that to them uh, and that's really that's what drives me. And the, the more I can do that on a bigger and bigger scale, the better. Nice.
0: All right. So now's your chance to be that mentor and share Yanni's words of wisdom with that, that entrepreneur that's, that's maybe struggling a little bit. What, what would
1: you share with him if you're sitting there having coffee? Oof. I would say, number one, don't lie to yourself. Oof. You know the problem. If you can't be honest with you, everything else is going to be in trouble. If you don't know the problem, then find somebody who does. And number two, answer this next question truthfully. Can you solve the problem that you currently have or problems that you currently have? If the answer is no, then find somebody who can help. Most entrepreneurs and solopreneurs get stuck right there. Third thing, how to evaluate your problem. Have you had it for longer than three months? Then you can't solve it on your own. My dad was a smoker growing up. He used to say all the time, very Greek accent, I can stop smoking at any time that I want. Well, why don't you? I don't want to. I don't want to stop. Oh, okay. A year later, I, I can stop whenever I want. And when I hear people in the bit, he never stopped, by the way, he died of smoke. He actually passed of smoking. A, well, lung cancer. When I hear people in their organization say, I can solve this on my own. How long have you had the problem? A, a year. Just just sit with that for a moment. So there's a, another old saying, pride comes before the fall. Your success is truly going to be predicated on your honesty with the problems that you face in your organization and finding the right person to help you fix it and, and having that humility to say, you know what? I need help. Hmm.
0: Nice. Yanni, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so much great wisdom. I appreciate the time.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a
0: pleasure. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at add value, number two entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life in business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27. and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvaluetolife.com slash action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.